Happy Friday, Chris Long, Greenlight Pod. You are a loyal listener, and I appreciate you. I hope everybody in the world has a great weekend. I just hope your your weekend's just a little bit better than theirs. Just quite frankly, at least 10% better. You guys deserve it. You helped us get to a million this week. Appreciate you. Keep it going. Start your weekend now. You deserve it. Get it going. I don't mean like go to the bar, get drunk at home, as you've been doing the last two months, and kick up your feet, listen to a packed pod, Featuring Paige Sporonic talking about this weekend. Also, we're going to be drafting characters from The Last Dance. And the caveat here is on your starting five, you have to spend quarantine in a house with said character. So that'll be fun. Let's get it rolling. We also have golf this weekend. Sports are starting to creep back into our consciousness right on time. Last dance is over. We've got some last dance for you on this pod. We're going to draft characters from the uh, the last dance. And that can be players, that can be coaches, that can be fans, that can be any cameo. We're going to draft a starting five, and we're going to draft a six-man. And I am bringing my co-host, making Gunner, along with me. He'll be joining us in a second as well as an old friend of the program. For those of y'all who are familiar with the early iterations of this pod, my high school baseball coach, the great Wookiee, uh, Coach McGrain, he's going to join us as well. He watched the shit out of this documentary. Wouldn't stop texting me about it. He's got a super big brain, and he's great for stuff like this. So we're going to bring him in. We're going to draft our teams up. And uh, we had some golf last week. We've got golf coming up this week. I've got Paige Sporanic this Sunday with the Tiger Woods uh, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady mashup going on in the golf world. I'll, I'll talk to her about that, as well as uh, what it's like being uh, an influencer in the golf world right now. She has millions of followers on Instagram, and I, I worked with her a little bit at the ESPYs. She's funny, she's she's engaging, and uh, she's really honest. She, she does talk about a lot of hard-hitting stuff when it comes to uh, women in golf and, and uh, being progressive in the sport. Uh, so we'll get her on. I was a rattlesnake when I woke up this morning. I've calmed down a lot. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm a little bit less thorny, um, and and uh, it should be a good pod. So enjoy uh, listening and uh, and let's get making on from across town. My brother from another, making Gunner. He's in the building, across the airwaves. He's got a new puppy. So what's going on with the puppy? Give me an update. Just a basic quarantine decision. Next thing you know, I'll have a Peloton in the domicile. You get a puppy. That's what you do when you don't know what else to do. I grew up with three dogs in Holy Toledo, Sea Long. Shouts out to Meredith Gunter because I thought I had a role in raising those dogs. I, I did not. Um, day one, you're excited. Uh, day three, we were in tears. And um, now day, I don't know, 12-ish, we've turned the corner. Many more wins than losses. Uh, we're having full eliminations in the backyard. We're having playtime in the living room. We're taking walks around the park. Uh, we've gotten our shots, etc. What's uh, the dog look like? She's a uh, red lab. 
Now, normally you hear lab, you think yellow, you think chocolate, you think black. She's red, unique, okay? And her name is Zoe, a.k.a. Zozo Rabbit, a.k.a. Lady Alonzo. She is a very good dog. Um, but, bro, day three, I'm not kidding about the tears. It was sleep deprivation. It was, oh, my God, is this dog unhappy and we've given it a bad life? And, oh, no, uh, we humans are unhappy. Um, and, <laughs> and the dog is going to be with us for another decade. What have we done? Uh, that quickly subsided. And we're in a routine now. And um, I can say without uh, a shadow of a doubt, raising a pup is um, worse, harder than raising a uh, child. I have none, as you know. Um, at least those first 72 hours, bro. But we're, uh, we're on easy street. for the Well, I know part. I explained this to you. As somebody who's owned multiple dogs and has multiple children, uh, I, I have to break this to you that kids are tougher than dogs by a power of like two or three. I, my counter is diapers. Okay. Cause my dog has used my house as a toilet. Okay. Your house is a big diaper. You can throw, you can throw diapers on a kid and the kid's not trying to ruin your furniture. And false, stuff. false. Luke, Luke doesn't get, Luke doesn't care about our, our nice furniture that we just got. I mean, like Luke, Luke wants to climb everything, break everything, hit everything. And, and you know, the other thing is the, the dog is never going to learn to talk and reason. I mean, you know, dogs are fairly simple once you get down to it and you train them. Kids, they, uh, they think they have, like, rights and stuff. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah, at some points, I would like to hear from Zoe, is it a pee? that you're crying about? Is it a poop? Is it boredom? Are you thirsty? Give me something. And it's a guessing game, but actually you're right. I, I think we now at, now at day 10, fewer things are getting lost in translation between the humans and the dog. And uh, we're very happy to have her. Well, that's good. I, I just, uh, before we move on to uh, the main event, I do want to say this about dogs before we get on the draft. I mean, I know you've been very good about social distancing. In fact, maybe better than me. And I've been like an all-star, um, you know, your dog came from somewhere. Like you touched the dog. Did you leave the dog outside on the porch for 24 hours? Like you do packages or did you take the dog in the house immediately? Because I, I would argue that you broke the, the code of social distancing. I was looked at like I had seven heads when I walked in with a mask on the dog people, as I think they are called in that world. We're like, what is, what, what's going on? Like I, I, I caught, I was on the receiving end of attitude for where, and I quickly took the gloves off. I was masked. I was gloved and it, they were taking offense. And so I slipped the gloves off, relied on the Purell when I got back into the vehicle. Um, but yeah, I tried my best, but in that dog world, um, it's, it's free and easy. People are, uh, and they, they, they seemed healthy. They seemed well. The dog has not exhibited any symptoms. Any symptoms of COVID, yet. although a tiger did get COVID at, at a zoo in the United States about a month or two ago in the heart of the Tiger King uh, territory. I guess uh, one last question on the dog. Is a dog a surface, technically? No. Could a dog's, could a dog's fur share, uh, spread COVID? 
I mean, I've I've read stories. Who knows if they're true or not? That uh, animals. I think even a dog has has <laughs> tested positive. I mean, are they are they swabbing <laughs> dogs' nostrils when they seem a little off? I don't know. Um, I think we're gonna need to swab your dog's uh, nostrils. I, I think we're not gonna need to do that. Uh, but if you want to take her between the hours of say 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. any night in the near future, be my guest. Okay. Well, that's going to mean I'm probably hammered. You good with that? Hey, as long as you take her out. Or okay. Because if I'm awake between 12 and 6, I'm hammered or I'm playing Xbox. Uh, and maybe uh, she can sit on the couch with me and watch me play Call of Duty. Uh, let's get our boy McGrain on the line and get this draft humming. So we are uh, we're welcoming a friend of the program who has been uh, holed up in his home, just like us, right down the road. You remember him if you are a ground floor green light pod fan. Uh, Coach Wookie. Wookie, how are we doing? I'm, I'm, I'm outstanding. I'm quarantined up. I'm ready for my draft picks. I've got my big board going. I'm excited. This is good. This is good. So the way we're going to do this thing is uh, we are going to go snake draft. And since uh, I'm just so unselfish and gracious uh, as a podcast host, I'll go last uh, the first round. But that means I get the uh, first pick of the second round. Uh, We'll go Wookiee first, uh, Macon second, and then third, I will uh, will bring it home. Uh, So the rules are, again, that it could be anybody on the uh, on on the Last Dance documentary. You're, I I'm, I'm catching shit for saying documentary, the series, the Last Dance. <laughs> People need to chill out, man. It was what it was, and it was awesome. Call it whatever you like, and I think we're gonna have some uh, some fun with this, fellas. I can't. I agree. Now I'm hyped. I. Uh, <laughs> Hey, and also we found out today that Tom Brady uh, will probably have one in 2021. I'm all for all of it. I don't care. You know, some people are like, oh, no. I'm like, well, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be glued to the TV watching uh, Tom Brady's. I don't think Tom Brady's going to be as gritty uh, or as raw. But from a different standpoint, you know how we didn't see Michael in uh, in this way for decades? We hadn't seen Brady, like, do... Brady was like on the left coast show within a month of leaving uh, New England. And we saw more of him than we did the entire 20 year period. He was in New England. So I think it'll be a good thing whenever it comes out. Uh, I hope I don't make it in a bad way. <laughs> Look, America loves winners and, and people will watch winners. He's definitely a winner. Yeah. I, I say he's winning at most things in life. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll draft <laughs> in 2021. We'll draft uh We'll draft characters from that series, uh, but let's start now. Wookie, you have the first pick in the Last Dance uh, quarantine draft. Who is spending the time? And again, I just want to say this one more time. It's a house. It's a big house. It's got a pool. It's got a nice backyard. You have the amenities you need. It's not Tom Brady's house, but it's a, it's a house. You're not going to be right on top of each other. It's not an apartment complex. And the rules are this is early quarantine. You can't leave. You can Amazon Prime stuff. You can get, you know, uh, prime grocery delivery, whatever. Uh, if you're not in Amazon, uh, you can do something else entirely, but you're going to have what you need. Ready to roll. My first number one draft pick, Carmen Electra. You did it. <laughs> I had to. That is the best pick I could make. Okay. That's entertainment for an entire quarantine. 
we all have lovely wives here, and I actually took her off the board. I didn't. Do you think? Do you think your lovely wife is going to be okay with that? You're lucky. You are. You're uh, podcasting from uh, the, the 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 room above your garage. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be on the show again soon and tell her that that's what I was filming, not this one. How how are you going to explain that to your lovely wife when you walk downstairs and say, "I just drafted Carmen Electra number one"? Now, Carmen Electra in 2020 or Carmen Electra in the uh, 90s? The documentary of her that was 2020, wasn't it? The interviews currently, yes. She still had her fastball. <laughs> like yeah. 2020, Carmen Electra. I don't see a difference. What about you, Make? Yeah, 48 years old, was married to Rodman, married to Rodman in 98, 99, then Dave Navarro, I think we remember some sort of reality show in the yeah. early aughts. Yeah. Um, she um, she doesn't look bad at 48. So what's the point here? Are you, I mean, like, are we saying that she's going to keep you company because I don't know that you're, you're her type. You said the house would have a pool. Yeah, <laughs> I did say the house would have a pool. Therefore, my first pick was justified. Okay. Okay. I got something for you. I got a better value pick in late rounds here. <laughs> okay. I'm happy with uh, pick one. Yeah. Good pick, Wookie. I, the guy I really want, or gal, uh, I am going to hope is going to be there at five. And I think he will be, again, or she. At number two, I am taking the Zen Master, Phil Jackson. Mm. Now, on the surface, that might seem to be a milk toast pick. It is not. Au contraire. Uh, Phil Jackson, born in Deer Lodge, Montana, he's got that zen energy. He's got that big sky energy. I think I would be thrilled to come down in the morning to a big cup of joe made by Big Phil Jackson and be regaled by stories. Morning, noon, and night. I think he's a super cool guy and um, the sort of guy who would not get on your nerves in a quarantine setting. And I bet he makes the coffee with some cool French press, you know, Nepalese machine oh. or something. And I bet it's freaking amazing coffee. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's, it, it can't be normal coffee. It would really disappoint me if Phil Jackson drinks standard coffee. Like if he rolls up to Dunkin' Donuts, he definitely is doing like some bulletproof proof coffee type thing nick Foles used to do some bulletproof coffee type thing where you don't eat all day you do the bulletproof coffee i don't get it at all uh but but it sounds cool i'm sure phil does something like that with phil the fire pit outside just got on like a different level got unlocked i mean they talked about him doing acid uh you know i there's no concerts to go to but we can make it work uh we can hit we can hit the campfire and you'd have it he would be doing yoga and shit like that. He could probably enlighten you in a lot of different biggest yoga mat in the history of, of, of yoga mats. But I think, I think Phil would be killer. He was on my big board. That's a great choice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Did you notice he was getting a bit of the, the Howie Long voice in the documentary? Did, did he sound like Howie Long? A little bit. He got a little, a little gravel to his voice, a little elder statesman. Uh, a little of voices and I'm confident bringing him up because I, I doubt he's on anybody's big board, but, but 
Scotty Pippen and Cleveland from Family Guy, never heard them talk in the same room. And in fact, if Scotty lived with you, not only would it be a disaster, I think he'd be totally unwilling to do household chores and chip in. He'd be like, hey, Scotty, take the trash out. And he'd just go to his room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you'd be upstairs like, it'd be 2 a.m. You'd be like, what the fuck does somebody have Family Guy on downstairs for? <laughs> it's just Scotty FaceTiming. I mean... Yeah. So, and by the way, another aside on Phil Jackson, I've mentioned this before, but you know, I go to Montana every summer. He's from Montana. That's not far from where we are in Northwest Montana, where he did those interviews. He would roll up to the Hoop Fest, which is a bunch of, it's a three on three tournament. Like every Pacific Northwestern white dude or Native American dude who can dunk and has like random basketball skills. And Phil would just come up there and post up and chill. So yeah, I like Phil Jackson. That's a great pick, mate. I appreciate you. You're on the clock with three and four. A lot of the guys on my big board are not like traditional top picks. Now I'm going to knock it out of the park with this one because I have one guy who I think would be a first day pick and that's Charles Barkley. First off, we know Chuck make, you know, you, me, Chuck, we got slammed after the, uh, you know, not to Wilbon here, but we know Chuck. We got slammed with Chuck after the Virginia Cavaliers won the national championship. By the way, reigning champs, dynasty here. If COVID goes another year, Repeat, uh, we'll be doing a Last Dance-style documentary on the Virginia Cavaliers and their uh, three-year run of un- uncontested championships. But he was awesome. He was down to earth. I've met him twice now. He's just like you think he'd be. And I thought he came out of the documentary like, in a really good light. I know him and Jordan don't get along as much anymore since he criticized Jordan's front office stuff. That's a reflection of Jordan, not Charles. I think he's one of the coolest dudes here. And by the way, don't pick Jordan. Jordan's not allowed to be picked. We, we get that. Uh, is that understood? Yeah. It was not understood. Barkley, by Barkley was high on my board. Are you talking about a guy who's not going to judge you when you want to go to the snack pantry and raid some chips and just mm-hmm. pig out in your quarantine? He'll be like, bring me some too. Chuck will be standing right there with me, just feeling that cool air emanate out of the refrigerator. Just staring at the fridge at, at midnight, like I've done every night of quarantine, imagining that there might be some new snack popping up. Like I've stood in the pantry every day, just waiting for a new snack. And Chuck would be right there with me. I'm all about it. MJ was on my big board, but far down my big board. He, I don't think he'd be a top quarantine pick. I think he's a fascinating subject. I don't know if he's the best hang, but we can we can take him off. That's fine by yeah. me. Good pick with with uh, Sir Charles. Okay. Man. And now with you know snake draft, I'm back up. Uh, round two, pick one. Uh, I've got. Now this is going to be. He's probably coming off the board a little bit early for some of you guys, but I'm going to go with uh, John Sally. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Listen. You got to laugh, okay? This is this is a trying time. John Sally has a background in comedy. Uh, I met him at an SB's party, and I was slammed. I think he was pretty slammed, and he was funny. He was just a guy you pick, pick up a conversation with, and you feel like you know him. I feel like you could use that energy around the house right now. Also, he's like this big vegan activist, and if he has no problem with the fact that I just crush chickens. And by the way, McGrain, this is a chance for you to – to get your uh, your chicken coop plug in. Oh yeah, the zombie apocalypse has hit, and all of a sudden, me and my chickens are in good shape. So all you folks that are quarantining, I'll, I give you eggs any day. But if you're out there being dumb, 
You don't get my eggs. You don't get you don't get my zombie apocalypse. Now with no background, that sounds kind of funny. Like you, you're you don't get my eggs. I mean, you do, don't get my eggs. I don't think everybody remembers the last episode, like fifty eight episodes ago, where you outlined what's going on in your backyard. So why don't you lead with that? Oh, was that when I was talking about motivating my chickens? Yeah, tell tell us about that real quick. Oh, so I've got five chickens, five five or six chickens, depends on when the fox comes and, and nabs them. But, um, you know, they usually lay an egg a day. Six eggs a day takes care of my family, and I can give some to friends. Um, but they went through a bit of a phase where they weren't laying eggs every day. So in true kind of Phil Jackson, like, motivational, I went out and barbecued chicken on the grill right in front of them to let them know what was going to happen <laughs> if they didn't pick up the bait. That sounds more like Michael Jordan. Uh, yes. <laughs> tactics. Egg production picked up. I bet it did. And by the way, uh, do you have like a tiny family? Six eggs a day will do for your, your family? Not everyone eats eggs. Uh, I, yeah, I don't eat eggs, by the way. Eggs make me feel really bad. Yeah, so only three of the six people in this house eat eggs. So, so Sally's a vegan. Uh, he, if he has no problem, he's not one of those judgmental vegans. Although, by the way, he appeared in a PETA ad, I found out, which is a, is a red flag. But he seems really cool. Uh, and vegans have good food. Like, they really do. I don't eat a ton of meat. I could go with like a 70-30 vegan diet. I know you got to be all in or whatever. Uh, also, he is a, a member of the Omega Sci-Fi fraternity, Q-Dog. I've never met a Q-Dog I did not like. Uh, give me John Sally and give me him second pick for the Chris Long quarantine team. Okay, fifth overall. I told you that I had somebody I was targeting earlier. He is still on the board. I'm very excited to take Barack Obama. With <laughs> Damn! Along the lines of uh, a good storyteller like Phil Jackson, Obama has him. He had perhaps the glowiest glow up of the entire doc going from former Chicago resident to uh, former president of the United States as his Chiron, if you will, see long. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have a hoop outside the quarantine house. He's a hooper. He's a Southpaw. He's got a cool autograph. He, uh, was as mentioned president of the United States and, um, can join Phil around the campfire and telling stories. I like it. I like it a lot. I feel like you're picking, I feel like you've created yourself your own little Jeffersonian, well-learned academic kind of house so far, Megan. We like what we're building. A lot of mental stimulation there. And I, I love the fact that you got a U.S. president in the second round. McGrain, you're up. Uh, so, Brock, that's done a little bit. All right. So going in the spirit of we're stuck in this house. Now I've got somebody to look at. Now I need somebody who's just going to be able to roll with all the punches, never lose their temper, just be easy to be around, got some talent. I think my second round pick is Scotty Burrell. Scotty wow. Burrell, that's great. And you got the baseball connection. Did you know he played minor league baseball? I did not. I'm just feeling the mojo. I had no idea. It's a match made in heaven. But, I mean, with all the shit that he put up with, just the nonsense, hey, Scotty, Burrell, Scotty. Like, you can say, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> if he can put has, up with guy has The guy has PTSD at Christmas would be, you know, people running around. He's like, ho, 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 is it it's like Michael. Like, no, I really think him and Mike got along, honestly. I do too. But I'm just saying, if he can put up with that for that long, 
he can do a quarantine easy without losing his mind. Oh, he'll be super easy to quarantine with. I think Scotty oh. Burrell would probably be super cool. And and the baseball thing. Baseball guys are usually pretty good hangs. They're different. You know, and he's like bullpen humor. You know, you can sit around and just make jokes. Yes, exactly. I like that pick a lot. Scotty Burrell. That's great. Okay. Whew. I, I have uh I have Chuck, Sir Charles, and uh and John Sally. It's gonna be a funny fucking time. <laughs> now I've gotta have somebody. It's not your pick, it's Wookie still. Oh yeah, it is. This was just a preview. Okay, so now right. go into your. I'm terrible at snake drafts. Okay, McGrain, you're up. And now I'm going with a pure beer drinking buddy pick, and I'm taking Bill Winnington. It's a great pick. I like it. Guy had a fucking slot machine in his background. He had yep. like a slot machine at his house. I'm pretty sure he's a Long Island guy, but I, I think he knows bikers, which could be good and bad. I just I felt like he was like yeah. So Michael was like this, and Michael was like that, but he got us three rings. Like. He he kind of he was like it was what it was. It made us better. I'm good. Look at me. I'm comfortable. He seemed like he was drinking a beer the entire time on that show. He did not seem uncomfortable. And one of the funniest lines of the whole thing was like, "Hey, Bill, jump on this cape, but hold on." You know, yeah. when, when MJ came back, and and like I said, he seems like a guy that at least at the very least knows bikers and probably can quote get you what you need. I don't I don't know I don't know what you need, but I think Bill knows people that can get you what you need. Yeah, I think I don't think I have a home intruder problem with Bill Winnington. Yeah, I I feel I feel I feel like if you want to put somebody at the outpost outside that can't like come in the house, uh, there are some candidates who are not on my big board, like Tony Kukoc. I'll just I'll just play that card now. He's not on my board. But when you roll up to my gate, and I don't have a gate, but in it, you know I'm imagining we have a gate, and can I help you in like Eastern Bloc? Like yeah. that, that's intimidating. Like, and the guy's tall. With an all black zip up. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that every guy that Liam Neeson killed is Tony Kukoc. And yes. so like, that's the guy that I don't want to, to have to tussle with. Carl Malone, not on my big board at all. No. Would, ne would never want to live with Carl Malone. Carl Malone, first off, he would be totally rogue. He would go rogue. He'd leave on his Harley. Day two, he'd be like, y'all suck, I'm out. No, he would be headed to like some CrossFit gym to protest the virus, for <laughs> sure. He'd be putting, he, he would be putting like, you know, don't tread on me flags up in his window. I'd be like, Carl, Carl, this is everybody's house. You don't get to just make fucking political statements here. Uh, you know, there's other people in the house. I think, have you seen The Lighthouse yet? For the listeners who, who haven't seen The Lighthouse, I think he's got some Wilm Dafoe like vibes, like where you're just not sure what you're gonna get day to day with Carl Malone. He'd be outside, you'd be like, he'd be chopping wood and shit. You'd be like, Carl, we have a gas fireplace. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Get out here and cut this wood up. That's Carl Malone to me, and you put him outside the house to defend it. Alrighty, quarantine. Uh, motions can run high. You can be stressed out. You can be panicky, etc. I'm going with uh, a calming presence underrated stars of the documentary i think welcome to the house mrs dolores jordan wow i think she would uh good gravy 78 year old woman looked 38 38 um kept all of michael's letters just a sweet woman yeah uh, seemed to be a very good mother to mj um very supportive and yet uh, kept him on track, made him earn everything, uh, some tough love in there. I thought she shined in the dock, and 
Um, I can't wait to have her in the house with, uh, with, you know, Phil might be keeping late hours. I can, I can see Dolores coming outside and saying, all right, uh, 30 more minutes only around the campfire. Mrs. Jordan's on, uh, on my quarantine team. I bet she'd make you fresh, warm, hot, like chocolate chip cookies. Hell yeah. Yeah. And is it worth, though, I'd ask, being on Michael Jordan's list, because I think you just made Michael Jordan's list for enlisting his mother to live with you in quarantine. Oh, boy. I mean, nah. Let the Twitter fire begin. Nah. It, she's, nah, nah, nah. I'm not, no. I'm Good not luck with that. List where I'm, I'm, I'm housing his mother. We're taking care in this, in this team-making quarantine Cliff Kingsbury domicile are setting. His, are you saying his mom didn't have a nice enough house? Like, all right, house? Okay. all right, you're like, up. You like nine. Michael Jordan's mom's house? You're you're up. Okay. Uh, so so far, uh, I have uh, let's uh, yeah, I've got I've got Sir Charles and I got John Sally. There's gonna be a lot of laughter. Uh, we need we need a guy that can bring. The laughter fuel, if you know what I mean. I need somebody eventually that can that can get me some good weed in this house, and I'm not sure that I have the guy yet uh, with Charles or John Sally. But uh, third pick for me, I'm gonna go Bill Cartwright. Good pick. Paternal, okay. Under this under this situation, yeah, I have two children. I don't know where they go in this hypothetical, but you know, my kids need uh need a, a grandparent type figure and i think Cartwright he was the only guy that could could steer the ship when scotty went awol he has this very you know granddad type voice he's a dude i would love to sit on the porch with and drink beer and just listen to the stories he seems like a good dude he's coached he's got a lifetime of experience and yeah he's the grandfather we need that so bill cartwright give me the stability with three i remember when- Cartwright waiting for Scotty Pippen uh, after the the game where Scotty sat himself down. Yep. Looking up. How about that Chicago stadium when they had to run up those stairs onto the court? Kind of a cool feature. Yeah. Very old school. Um, dilapidated building there at the end. But that was a, a nice little entrance for the fellas. But yeah, I remember that's my image of Cartwright. My lasting image is, is his gazing up, waiting for his guy Pip. To hold the squad together. I think that's a fine pick at nine. See long. Good value. Good value. Pick 10 is Chris after Cartwright. Pick 10 is me following Cartwright. We have two funny guys. We have a guy that's going to keep things together. Uh, I'm going to go with ugh, the desirables come off the board quick in this, they do. In this show. I'm going to go Steve Kerr. Yeah. Strong. All Steve Kerr does is win. My house is going to win. Whatever the challenge is, we're going to win. Let's not forget he was a member of the Spurs team that won. Uh, I forget whether it was the ninety. The next year. Or, yeah, it was. It he was, got four. Yeah. yeah, it was the Spurs team. I mean, obviously, you see what, what he did for Golden State. He was obviously the whole thing at Golden State. I mean, some decent players, but it's all Steve. <laughs> um, he would do the same thing for our house. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be the, the – raises all tides. What do they say? A uh... – a a rising tide lifts all boats. Something with that s- statement rings true with Steve Kerr. And a- along the nautical theme, I rode a jet ski with Steve Kerr once in my life. So we're already really cool. We're really tight, me and Steve. When I was a child, I ended up on a jet ski with Steve Kerr. Same place, Flathead Lake, Montana. 
Scott Skiles used to play pickup games in the backyard. Believe it or not, Scotty Skiles was back there just running game in my backyard. I had no idea. Steve Kerr came in one weekend to hang out with. It was Frank Rakowski, who also made the doc, by the way. Frank Rakowski in a cameo cameo in the background of a Milwaukee Bucks low light. Jordan was dunking on some poor eight-foot white guy in 1989. <coughs> Frank was in the back, background, palms up. But Steve Kerr came into town. He rode a jet ski. Um, yeah, give me, give me Kerr at 10. He came out of the documentary really strong, too. Oh, he so did. It was like, I got fed up, I punched Jordan. Oh, that made the Jordan relationship good. Oh, I share this horrible, tragic story about dads with Jordan. I think about him during the National Anthem. That resonated with me. I lost my grandfather in the middle of my second year at UVA playing baseball and started to think of him during the National Anthem. I mean, he's just like, he's relatable. He's a very relatable guy. And I like how he's like, I'm just an overachiever. Yeah, and my favorite part of Steve Kerr's whole appearance in the uh, series was probably his speech at uh, at the parade. Yes, his khaki shorts, <laughs> the white guy with just his huge like, khaki white shorts. <laughs> you know, like that walk off that you do when you're a white guy and you you do a good speech at a at a predominantly black function. Like that's the way he walked off after the speech with his with his giant khakis that he could. He could, he could base jump off the side of El Cap with those khakis and survive. Like, they would just catch the wind, and he would land safely. Steve Kerr at 10 for me. My 11th pick is going to be the star of the series, the late, great John Michael Wozniak, uh, who famously hit Jordan with, his, with the Jordan shrug after winning that game of throwing quarters against a carpet and a wall. Uh, he what was, the for, hell was that gambling game anyways? Has it been explained? I still can't figure out what the objective was to that game. I feel what like it was one of those things that you were supposed to watch it and, like, you were afraid to ask what it was. Like, maybe hey, gamblers know what that is. Like, get the quarter closest to that mark on the carpet is what I figured, but I could be wrong. Um, cop, so... Uh, we're going to have some law and order in this quarantine house. You mentioned Tony Kukoc coming up to the gate. Um, I think Wozniak was packing 100% of the time in the series. Chris, I know you tweeted about it. That walk that he had next to Jordan during some slow-mo footage for about 10 seconds in one of the episodes was the coolest walk I've ever seen by a human being. Yeah, had swag. Um, he had the mustache that was turning into a handlebar. He had the little flavor saver rocking, the hair elite. Um, and in the quarantine house, when we have, you know, really big personalities like Phil Jackson and Barack Obama, I think John Michael Wozniak is going to be a nice role player. Every crew needs a role player. Um, He's not going to need to be heard 100% of the time. He's used to being uh, a support guy. And, um, again, very sad that we lost this gentleman in January of this year. Um, his son, I think, came out and said he, uh, he would have loved this. He would have loved this attention. Um, happy to add him to our roster at 11. Yeah, it was the walk you're referring to was just – Terrific. And we, I had a follower spin it into like, put it through the belly filter. If you ever watch belly, there's an intro to that scene, to that movie. 
with a walk up in a nightclub and uh, it just, it meshed perfectly. So I think that's wonderful. And I'm surprised he fell that far. Yeah, I'll take it at 11. And, uh, and that means Wookie McGrain up at 12 and 13. So I'm struggling with this one, but I think I'm going to stick to it. I think I'm taking a Mad Rashad with my fourth, with my fourth pick. Um, I feel like there's some storytelling that's going to have to take place during the quiet hours. And if there's a guy who knows just as many, you know, the last dance, other stories that didn't make the tape, it's a Mad Rashad. Whether sure. it's g- golf gambling or other stories at dinners or cigar bars. Like I feel like there's a treasure trove of memories that would come out. That would be entertaining if, if he was in my house, just to buy the time. Tell me some stories about those days with Jordan Amon. I th- whatever. I think that's great value too at, uh, at 12. So good pick. Did he come off to you, either you guys at times as um, a Jersey chaser? Right. So like Ahmad was a professional athlete himself and obviously he had a good job with NBC uh, calling these games, but it just seemed like, Hey man, sometimes there can be silence. There was that scene where George just sitting there before a game and Ahmad's like, some guys can do it. Some can't. And Jordan was like, what? Yeah, that was the weird. And some can't. And, and then, yeah. He, yeah, then he has yeah. to repeat himself. Some can and some can't. And Jordan's like, yeah. All right. Listen, here's the thing. I really like Ahmad Rashad. Um, he is a he is a 10-year pro in, in the NFL, four-time pro bowler, uh, Minnesota Vikings ring of honor. I mean, like, you almost forget about – you know, what you mentioned, which was an athletic background. I think that's why he probably felt co- comfortable talking to Jordan and other guys like he's one of them because he truly is deep down, but it did come across as funny if somebody's looking at it through a lens of, okay, this guy's just a media member. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's a good pick still. I, 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 you know, I also think it's hard to look good in that documentary period or that series. So, so. who you got at 13, McGrain? Ann Kerr. Nice. Wow. Steve Kerr's mother. You guys are just, I mean, this is, I think Steve will probably be more amicable to this selection than Mike will be about Dolores, but she was awesome. I changed my pick when Macon took Jordan's mom. I changed my pick when Macon took Jordan's mom, and I started thinking about those warm chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I started thinking, here I am stuck in a quarantine house. I mean, look at the people I got already. Do you think, like, you know, keeping it clean and tidy and smelling like, you know, downy fresh? Like, I, we need a mom's presence here in a big way, right? You're damn right. So, and, and the way that sweet lady on the couch talking, I just, I think she, yeah. So, making influence my pick there, but I'm, I'm happy with that pick. I think that's a... That's a, that's, the, that's a glue factor. That's a stabilizing pick for the house. And that is a terrific segue into my fifth pick. And I'm going with OG Karen, Pacer's mom, her cutoff <laughs> collared shirt. I thought she, she might have been kind of cute in the 90s. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get that out there. Also, I thought she got a bad rap on the internet. Like being an obnoxious fan does not mean, and living in Indiana does not mean you have a clan hood in your, in your, uh, in your closet. But of course, Twitter, they know everything about somebody after they see them for three seconds. 
and people were crushing her. I'm, I'm excited to welcome her to the house. She probably makes mean lunches. She probably Ziploc bag them up uh, for everybody in the house. Uh, and, and it's that maternal role. That cutoff collar thing that she got. You know she's not letting anybody go outside the house without sunscreen. Definitely not. Definitely not. My skin is going to be in the summertime's coming up here. See, exactly. Lon, you jumped out of order there, and I was happy that you did it because I was unsure who to take. I think you just made a <laughs> wonderful pick. Um, you gave me the time to do some research, and I have come up with my pick. Uh, among the people I am not taking, but considered, Roy Williams, Larry Bird, David Stern, Jalen Rose, Tito yeah. Francona, Pat Riley, who looked just fly. He's the man. And I'm going to take another guy with stories, Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah, so cheap. I almost took Leo before Ann Kerr. So. I think that's a good pick. Here's the problem with Leo. He's <laughs> going to be breaking quarantine on the regular. There's going to be these models coming over left and right. And you're going to be like, Leo, come on. We're trying to, to, to socially distance. I don't think he can get away with anything with Dolores Jordan in the house. I mean, <laughs> it's Dolores' rules. I am imagining a conversation between Dolores Jordan <laughs> and Leo. That's what we're going to have. I like the pick. I like the pick a lot. I mean, you got a really good draft here. Um, Thanks, man. I got Phil Jackson, Barack Obama, Dolores Jordan, John Michael Wozniak, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Just kind of makes me laugh, that group. Uh, McGrain has Carmen Electra, Scotty Burrell, Bill Winnington, Ahmad Rashad, and Ann Kerr. That also makes me laugh. And you're rocking C-Long with Sir Charles Barkley, John Sally, Bill Cartwright, Steve Kerr. And Pacers lady. You are going to be big mad when Ahmad Rashad is out by the pool talking to Carmen. And you're going to be like, what the fuck was the point? Ahmad's <laughs> eight years old and he's about to pull Carmen Electra. He's <laughs> my first round pick on like a, an Ahmad Rashad luxury. Yeah. Well, if, if we had gotten the sixth man pick, I would have gotten Spike Lee to film it all. Mm. Spike Lee kind of exhausts me a little bit. He's, I'm a Knicks fan too, but I, I'm good on Spike Lee. Uh, Were you ever close to taking Charles Oakley? No, because I feel like you're going to be breaking up multiple fights in the house. <laughs> I was close. I was close. Who didn't? Macon went through his picks that he didn't take. What picks did you think about and decided not to? And after we do this, we get a six man here, okay? But but I, I, I've gone down a list, okay? Reggie Miller could be an issue. I really think Reggie M Miller is – no, I, I, I think Reggie Miller's stock went up for me as a Knicks fan in the 90s, somebody who when he was on the Knicks, I thought of him as skinny, soft, annoying, all that stuff. It turned out to be anything but the case. He was the one guy who was unafraid of Jordan, you know, unabashed, unafraid. And um, Jordan seemed to respect him. But I think all that black Jesus talk might be confusing to my kids. I don't want my kids going back. We, we, we believe in a colorless Jesus in our house. So we believe in a Jesus that was representative of the time and period. And I don't know what color that person was. But Reggie is going to have my kids going back to school like, hey, uh, teacher, what's up with uh, what color was Jesus? <laughs> I, yeah. 
I, I don't think I don't think I want Reggie in the house. Uh, I don't want Magic in the house. Way too positive, Captain Obvious. Uh, he's definitely going to be a loud talker on the phone. Magic Johnson just screaming on the phone. Agreed. John Stockton too boring. Uh, it would be fun for a couple of days to be like, see how many times you could say the word assist to him without him realizing that you're making a joke. <laughs> like, hey, John, can you come down here and assist me with something? Patrick Ewing would just fucking read the newspaper. Like, yeah, but, but be so big that you run into his knees just trying to walk around the couch. Oh, for sure. But like, he would just read it and look at his newspaper and then like look up when people came in the room and then look back down. Like, he would not talk to anybody. So, those are the guys that were close to me. Would you, would you want Paxton in your room or in your, would you want no. Paxton in your house? No. I don't feel strongly either way. I feel like I am having a hard time with. How he came across okay in the documentary, but you got the whole Garpax issue in Chicago. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that pick, I, I don't think the fans would like that pick. I think my shareholders and all my fans at, at Quarantine House would, would boo me in the draft for that. I agree. I also think he'd be like a big lecture guy. And there's nothing, I don't know anything bad about him. Maybe you do, but I mean, he seems like the dad who has like better morals than you. Like yeah. he's very type A, like the beds need to be made, like, you know, very detail oriented and me not being so type A, I think that would be a problem. Uh, way too positive. All right. So let's rock. Who are six men or women? Whoo. You know, I, is this me now? Cause I got to make the last pick. Go for it. Okay. It, it's going to come down to, by the way, it's definitely not Horace Grant. Horace Grant would put everything on like you know his instagram story and you wouldn't know it and you'd be like hey horace i'm taking a shit here and he'd be like oh horace. nothing this video's not going anywhere and then it would go to sam smith or somebody like that or skip bayless horace would be in his feelings pretty quick in the quarantine how about horace saying mj was a snitch here's my evidence he told us all about that hotel room thing you know like why would he tell you about all the coke and weed and women in that room. Jordan did not mention any of those things. He and Horace Grant in the article mentioned all three of those vices by name. So definitely no Horace Grant. It's coming down to BJ Armstrong and uh, Ron Harper for me. Now, BJ came out of this thing swimming, uh, I think. BJ would be a six pick for me. I know I said Spike, but BJ would be a six pick. I think that's a strong pick. You should make it. Well, I think I'm not going to make it. Um, Ron Harper is my six-man pick just off of one line. That Craig Elo sequence, just I've never identified more with a basketball player than, like, his energy in that. Like, he's just angry. He's just, like, in, in a good way. Like, like he's just, he just doesn't seem to give a shit. One of the guys, and I gleaned all that from that sequence. Uh, Ron Harper, don't know much about him, other than the fact that he did grow up in Dayton, McGrain. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what, what did he mumble off when he said coach wanted Craig Elo to guard him? He said, whatever, fuck this bullshit. And, and, and anybody can identify with that was the most relatable line of the whole thing. Uh, and, didn't they cut, and didn't they cut to Jordan? Who's like, I don't know why they put him on me and not Ron Harper. Yeah. I, I felt like that. Yeah. So I'm going to take Ron Harper. So that leaves you guys, you guys, one of you guys can fight over BJ Armstrong. 
Macon's got the next pick. Um, I don't want to be too redundant. Like, I want Phil to be the coach of the house. Uh, I would like to have a Roy Williams or a Pat Riley or a Terry Francona, but I'm not going to do it because Phil has that role on lock. Um, thinking Hannah Storm, thinking BJ Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, because you guys made a, made a nice case for the guy. And um, I'm going to go with BJ Armstrong is my pick. Really, he came out of the documentary great. I, and, he I, made, and they made it sound like he's the guy that got Jordan back. Yeah, he did. Breakfast. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. To my point earlier about Jordan seeming to like gravitate to yes men or like people that can help him, you know, if if he was just kind of, but he also went right at Jordan in the Charlotte series. And then Jordan like really didn't sink him. Jordan could have been really personal and, and been a dick about it. Maybe it's because he won the series and BJ's not a threat, as he would call it. But he did like BJ came out of this thing really good, you know. Um, so I, I think that's good. He is an agent, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Picks agreeable, in. agreeable guy, though. If, if we're in quarantine, I'm not worried for one second about BJ Armstrong. No, except he's twice your age and looks younger. <laughs> yeah. Fact. That is true. Him and Ahmad, bro. Yeah. Okay, McGrain, your, your sixth man will wrap the thing up. I think, I think the house needs a coach. I'm following what Macon's saying with Phil. And I think I'm going Doug Collins for six. Wow. I think Doug, Doug is a great pick. That's a sleeper. I feel like he's got some fire. He's got some crazy. But he's got some simplicity, too. You know, like he was the guy that was like, I don't know, just give the ball to Jordan, damn it. Like, <laughs> what else are we going to do? Just So I feel like when, time, when decisions need to get made, he's going he's gonna to find the easy, most sensible decision. And he had a perm. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a perm anymore. But he so had which, one. Which Doug Collins do I get? Because I want the one with a perm. I want the one with a perm, too. So you get the one with the perm. Okay. Because the one now is, like, gray, and he's got, you know, like, it's all shaved. Doug Collins in the late 80s had to be, you know, how people say you're a lot of fun at parties and they're sarcastic. I think Doug Collins <laughs> had to be pretty fucking fun at parties. I think so, too. Um, so and we the, su- the sweat and the lather that he'd get going when he would coach? Yes. Yeah. So we, so we left some good 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 guys and players. Listen, we left Roy Williams on the board. We left Gary Payton on the board. Uh, we left Rodman didn't get picked up. Okay, Rodman. I was never going to pick him. I can't have that kind of competition for Carmen's you, time. Yeah, that's. I think I'm pretty sure Carmen might be over that. I think Carmen had her. Fix. I don't. I don't need some you know Love Island Paradise kind of isolation thing taking away I, my chances. I think that. Um, I think that Rodman has descended quite a bit since his 90s um, appearance, physique, aura, whatever you want to call it. I think he is, uh, in the last two decades, it's been rough on him. So that was a good draft, guys. To to recap here, uh, Team Chris has uh, Charles Barkley, Cartwright, Sally, Kerr, uh, OG, Karen, and uh, my sixth man is Ron Harper. Macon had Phil Jackson, uh, Chicago resident at two. Uh, he had Mrs. Jordan at three, Wozniak at four, Leo at five. Got Leonardo DiCaprio in the fifth. By the way, we love Jerry Seinfeld out of this motherfucker. Jerry Seinfeld's time has officially passed. Your sixth man was whom again, Macon? My point guard, B.J. Armstrong. B.J. Armstrong. And now McGrain with the pick of the draft, Carmen Electra in the first, Scotty Burrell in the second, Bill Wennington in the third. Um, and then who did you have in the fourth? You had – Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad Rashad. 
You rounded it out with Ann, Ann Kerr. Kerr. Ann Kerr, and then your sixth man. Uh, 80s Doug Collins. 80s Doug Collins. Perfect. So that's a good draft right there, fellas. Um, without further ado, let's take a hard right turn and get to um, Paige Sporonic, uh, an Instagram sensation and uh, the host of a really good podcast from what I hear. Let's get her on. Welcoming now to the Greenlight Pod, the best golfer I've ever had on the show. And that, that's fitting because we don't talk golf a lot. Paige Sporonic, uh, who I met at the ESPYs. She's currently uh, an ambassador for the CyberSmile Foundation. She also has a great podcast from what I hear in golf circles, playing around with Paige Renee podcast. Uh, the first episode was this February. How's that going, Paige? How's the podcast life treating you? Um, it's first off, thanks for having me. And it's been crazy. I didn't know what to expect. I honestly thought no one was going to be interested in it. One, it's a girl talking about sports and two, it's a girl talking about golf. So (laughs) there's already so many like golf podcasts out there, but we try to make it different, come at it different angles. And I think people are enjoying it so far. We just basically make fun of people in golf 24 seven. So I kind of love it. <laughs> you run into any like older folks out in Scottsdale that are like, Oh, I listen to the pod. And you're like shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause we, I remember we talked about this at the ESPYs where I, I, in my DMS, I get a lot of inappropriate pictures. And so <laughs> I've talked about that on my podcast and now I'm just getting dick pics from like older men now. <laughs> 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 Which is not good. We we don't want that. <laughs> is it my duty to ask you to describe any of them, or is it my duty to move on to the next subject? This I got one this morning, and it was like an older guy. I think he was probably in his sixties, and he's like, "I've listened to the podcast, and I know the only way to get to your attention is to you know send the dick pic." And so it's like him with this towel like draped over him, and it's like kind of half over his dick and his balls are just out and I'm like I can't do this I can't do this so it was my fault I should have never talked about it on the podcast but now that's the thing I just get you know even more now okay so dms uh, you know and uh and all that gross stuff like <laughs> the eight-year-old shriveled up men in bathhouses sending, <laughs> sending foggy selfies to your box. like let's get past that let's move on to the the main event, which is golf, and it's back, okay? So like last week, and by the way, my my listeners know, I don't know shit about golf. <laughs> like I do, you're the expert. I'm going to ask you, last week, what happened? With the TaylorMade match? Yeah, what was that whole thing? So it was um, a charity event to raise money for COVID relief, and they ended up raising $5.5 million. It was a team tailor made. So is Rory and DJ against Ricky and a new up and coming star, Matt Wolf. And mixed reviews on it. Some people said that it was great. Like they raised a lot of money. It was, it was a success, but on the other side, it was a, it, it was boring. Like <laughs> the trash talk was bad. The commentators were talking over the players. Like one cool thing about it was that they were going to be mic'd up and you'd get to hear them talking and then the commentators were just talking over the players and so you could never hear anything and it just felt stale like every time golf seems to do these matches it's we build it up we think it's going to be great it's going to be great for golf and then it's just kind of the same old thing over and over again um so it was great because live golf was back we're all we're all really excited but i in my opinion i think it was a miss so now for the next match coming up which is the tiger phil 
um, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning match, we're hoping that it will be a little bit better than last week's match. If you were to rank sports and their their possibility to thrive within a COVID-like situation, I think golf would be at the top. I mean, do you need fans? Not to minimize fans, but I don't feel like you need golf fans to be in the gallery to make it watchable. No, definitely not. And I think it kind of throws it back to that's the game that we play. And, and that's what was kind of cool about the Taylor made matches that the guys were carrying their bags. You know, it was just like four guys out there having a great time. And I think a lot of golfers can relate to that, which is really great. But again, they just seem to always miss it in some way or another. And I feel like everyone's been watching the last dance and they they're craving that kind of authenticity and that raw realness. And with golf, it always seems so fake and it's always, put out in this perfect little package box and they're like, here, this is golf. And we never seem to reach new audiences because it's just the same thing over and over again. We never try to appeal to a larger audience. Do you think, and, and you've, you've touched on this before. I read where you touched on this was, you know, like the future of golf. You're looking at the future of golf without Tiger at some point. He's going to be doing things like this the rest of his life. But mm -hmm. I mean, as, as a main event type attraction, and you talked about the demos, like attracting new fan bases. Where are they missing the mark on that and how can they improve that? Is it just a, a matter of buttoning it down a little bit? You know, it's really hard to say because there's so many factors that go into why golf isn't growing. I think when you go out to a PGA Tour event and you look around, everyone looks the same. There's no diversity in the crowd. So they're, they're missing hitting that larger audience, like I said before. And I don't know if it's because the players don't appeal to other people. I don't know if it's because golf is elitist and because they think it's stuffy. So they have no interest in watching it because they don't think they're going to play it. Um, golf is also very expensive. So there's so many things that go into it. Now, I mean, we, we spend so many hours trying to discuss like, how can we make it better? How can we make it different? I think players utilizing social media and having these matches and showing them, showing the larger audience that they are like real people, not these, you know, like stuffy country club kids. And right. I think that's why Tyre coming in had made such an impact on the game because he was different. He brought some diversity into golf and he was cool. He was the first person who was really cool. And like other people wanted to be Tiger. They wanted to watch Tiger. He was athletic. He was strong. He was charismatic and good looking. And mm -hmm. so he had that appeal to more people. So I think we need someone else to come up but I also think that more players need to kind of use social media show off their personalities and just try to be more normal and real <laughs> so you've got this the goat and the goat comes from a demo that's very underrepresented in the golf world and that's been going on for 20 plus years and you know to your point there hasn't been a lot of advancement you've also said that you know pro golf is kind of a good old boys system and women don't get equally represented <laughs> You know, how do you, how do you remedy that? Like what, where are they falling short? Cause there's some obvious things. I mean, even somebody on the outside is like, there's clubs where women can't play. That's crazy. Uh, have they eradicated that type of thing completely? And what do they have to do next as, as a, as a you know, kind of a leading voice in the media circle when it comes to women in golf? There needs to be a complete culture change in golf. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, just because of the people in power at the top. People like golf because it's a way that guys can just get away from their wives, five hours, they can drink with their buddies, hang out in the clubhouse, play some cards. Like it, it's a perfect sport for guys. And I don't think they want to ruin that by bringing more people in. And I, 
part of me gets that, you know, it's kind of like their sanctuary, their time to get away. But I've been to golf courses where guys have refused to play with me because they think I'm going to be slow because I'm a woman. Um, the dress codes are so strict. Like you can't, you have to have like a collared shirt and skirts down past your knees. And there are still men only golf courses. So there are certain golf courses that I can only play like Tuesday and Thursday after three o'clock. The weird thing too is women aren't accepting of other women in golf. So it's like, if you try to do something a little bit different, or if you try to be a little more progressive, it's like, no, we don't want any part of you either. You've talked about that kind of pushback. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like you, you have changed kind of the way, you know, people expect a, a golfer to dress. I mean, like you, you've talked about it. It's what I'm comfortable playing golf in. It's not to make a statement. It's not to get attention. This is what I feel athletic in. Like, what's the problem there? And, and do you get a lot of that pushback from women and how this, it's gotta be disheartening because you're, you're fighting two battles. A hundred percent. You know, I think people will look at my Instagram and definitely I will play it up on there because it's just, it is what it is. But when I'm going to play, I'm wearing leggings and a Lululemon tank top. You know, I'm wearing athletic wear that when you go to the gym, I'm actually dressed quite conservatively, but when you go to the golf course and people are like, get that hooker off the golf course. She looks like a stripper. Like people literally come up to me like, are you a porn star? And I'm like, I'm not wearing a collar. That's it. <laughs> How about this weekend? Okay. We've got one of my former teammates, Tom Brady, pairing with Phil Mickelson. You have Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. All right. So is it a skins game? I have to look at the format again, but I know the second half of it, they're doing an alternate shot, which will be really interesting to watch. And I think like a modified best ball. So I, I've actually never seen Tom Brady or Peyton Manning play. So I am excited to watch their games and see yeah. what they're going to do. Uh, but it'll be a good yeah. matchup. I think it's going to be interesting. I just hope it's not the same cheesy golf match that we've we've grown to expect. <laughs> right. What's the difference between like a regular course and like a pro course? You know, like I I, I live near a golf course. I go yeah. down the street. I can see one. It looks hard. I don't know what the hell the difference. <laughs> is. I don't know what makes a pro course a pro course. Yeah. So you can basically turn any golf course could be a a private golf course, public golf course into a tournament golf course. Basically what you do is you narrow the fairways, you grow the rough, you make the greens harder and faster, and then you put the pins in difficult locations. So I always laugh because guys will, I'll see them commenting like, Oh, I shot a 72 at Torrey Pines. I could definitely play on tour. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like the yeah. courses that you play are completely different than the courses that the guys play on tour. Like yeah. it, the greens are not responsive at all. They are lightning fast. And then if you miss a fairway, you almost can't even find your golf ball sometimes because the rough is so thick. I remember I played Riviera for fun. And on the first hole, fairway was wide as it could be. And then I came back for the PGA Tour event and it was it looked like 15 yards wide from the, from the tee box. And so it's a completely different golf course, what they do. And I would say that if you are shooting consistently, even par, and you go play a tournament golf course set up pretty difficult, you probably won't break 85. Everybody loves golf. It feels like all the athletes and celebrities love it. You've played with some really big names. Mm -hmm. uh, you've probably helped some big names work on their swing. Like, who are the biggest celebrity golfers that you've played with? Uh, well, last year I played in this legends event. It was a Bass Pro legends and it was in Missouri. And my group of the day was Gary player, who is a legend in yeah. golf, 
Mark Wahlberg and Justin Timberlake. So it was those guys <laughs> and me. And there was like so many fans around and everyone was just like, you know, talking to them and asking for pictures of autograph. And I would just kind of like scoot on through. And <laughs> you're like, who is that? Why is she here? Mark, Mark or Justin, who's angrier when they hit a bad shot? Oh, Wahlberg, for sure. Yeah, he just is like constantly like zoned in and he just walks really fast, plays really fast. He's really intense. And then Justin Blake's very like relaxed, really cool. He was my partner for the day. So it was a partner event. And yeah. he was like the best partner, so much fun. Um, but no, I played with a lot of athletes. I would say that hockey players or pitchers are the best golfers. Yeah. Who's the best golfer you played with that was an athlete out of all those like pitchers and hockey players? Drew Brees beat me in a closest to the pin contest at Top Golf. So he was pretty good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a ton of really good players out there like they're all pretty decent reggie bush is actually really good too he gets a little mad sometimes but he is like so focused and dedicated to golf like he practices all the time but he has a really good swing so i think he's only been playing for i think like two or three years so he's going to turn out to be a really good golfer okay i want to hit you with some quick hitters before we get out of here and again uh on sunday tell us what's going on i'll be joining you on sunday we're gonna do a live watch huh you're doing it and uh, you're gonna have some people popping on yeah, so we're going to do a watch party for the match. We'll be recording the podcast. You're going to be joining us. We have some other really great guests, too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's my first time doing something like this, so I'm a bit nervous. Doing it live is kind of uh, nerve-wracking, so we'll see how it goes. But it'll be good to kind of commentate on what's happening during the match and so people can watch the match and watch us at the same time. All right. It's hard because I did a couple live things, and like just the, the tense – moment where you're seeing if your electronics work is just like the internet things like that if you're lagging if you can't get a guest on it just it just it'll go great i promise all these things i listed don't think about them but again uh <laughs> sunday uh live watch tiger peyton phil tom tickets 5.99 and a portion of the proceeds will be donated to projectgolf.org is that correct that's correct that's yeah. correct yeah it's an initiative to grow the game of golf and make golf accessible to more people. So exactly what we were talking about is bringing more people in and they're doing a lot of great work there. Let's do a quick hitter. And then I want you to pump, uh, pump your awesome work. You do, um, trying to eradicate cyberbullying. Okay. My quick hitters here, uh, best dress golfers. Ooh, I think all the Nike athletes look pretty good. DJ always looks good. The problem is they always wear the same stuff. So it's kind of who looks better in it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I think Brooks always looks pretty good. I like things that are clean and simple with just like a little bit of flair. Um, your dream course, where would it be? How would you design it? You have an endless budget and you can snap your fingers and make it happen. I'd probably do it somewhere on the East Coast so I can make it a tree-lined golf course, more traditional. I would do either like three, three, three or like rounds of six instead of the traditional nine and nine. And so that way people could have the option of playing three holes, six holes, nine holes, whatever it is, and kind of mix them up. Um, I definitely would want to also put like the bigger holes on the golf course. So you have the option of both. So you can get like younger kids into it and no dress code at all. Right. Eliminate dress code altogether. Like and that. everyone is welcome. <laughs> I'm there. I'll be an investor. Um, okay. So golfing hungover or golfing drunk, which one's worse and why? Hmm. 
for me, golfing hungover is the worst possible thing in the entire world. I have the absolute worst hangovers and I get really like jittery and nauseous and there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning and having to go play golf and you can't even like hold on to the club because you're shaking so much. I get it. Playing drunk, you just kind of like, oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure some guy. I mean, guys do it all the time. It's funny you mentioned guys going out and get, getting drunk. I got buddies who are like, I get a pass to go golfing all the all the time. I'm like, so wait, if if I if I just say I'm golfing, I can go to the bar effectively for six hours. When I'm hungover, I get anxious. And if there was a bunch of people watching me play, it would be in my head. I just don't know how people do it. So I would probably agree with you. Do those guys, those pros, they get banged up the night before? Do some of them like think, hey, like I'm gonna feel better if I take the edge off and get banged up tonight? A hundred percent. I think. Most golfers think that they play better hungover or drunk or a little tipsy because golf is so mental. And so if you don't have that on your mind, then you're going to play better instead of being completely laser focused and you're like in your head about every little thing. Like how about people in talking in backswings and stuff? Like what's the worst situation you ever saw where a fan went overboard? I see. I don't mind stuff like that because I usually, when I play with my friends, everyone's talking. I know it's worse when it's like dead silent and then someone says something, but I think it's just kind of like the weird comments after you hit a bad shot. I remember I was playing in the ACC tournament, which is that celebrity golf event. And I hit a shot and I didn't hit a great shot. And I was kind of upset about it. And this guy just yelled over and he's like, it's okay. You still look good, even though you suck. And I, I was so pissed. I was so mad. I was like, why would you say that to me and yell that to me? And he kept following me in every bad shot. He would never say anything for the good shots, but only for the bad shots. And he was trying to like pump me up, but it was like the opposite. And I have a definite like temper issue on the golf course. And so it was very, it was testing me that day to like stay calm. (laughs) Okay. So last question, coolest follower or person you've met that, that you were like, holy shit, that person uh, knows who I am. Probably Justin Timberlake. Um, that he he follows me and that was like the coolest thing ever but I have a bigger crush on his wife Jessica Beale and I followed her and I was like because I met her at the event and I was like maybe she'll give me the follow and she didn't so a little bit crushed yeah, <laughs> I'll have to yeah. settle for Justin Timberlake but uh Jessica Beale is like my number one girl crush and so that one hurt a little bit last thing uh your ambassador work you do uh to fight cyberbullying. how'd you get into that yeah, so I'm an ambassador for CyberSmile, which is an anti-bullying organization focusing on cyberbullying. Uh, throughout my entire life, I've always dealt with bullying and especially now being on social media and that basically being my job, um, I get hate left and right all day long. <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to make a difference and do something about it instead of being a victim of cyberbullying. So I got involved with CyberSmile about four years ago now. And I go and speak at schools and boys and girls club and just talk about social media being positive. I think so many people dwell on it being negative in the bad side, but you can create this whole community of positivity. And that's what I love to do and to be yourself and to not let people try to change you. And that's how I live my life. And I try to show that to other people. So I think the work you're doing is great. Um, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to, to diving into the pod and I'll see you Sunday. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much.